from APM Reports, this is the Educate Podcast, a collaboration with the Heckinger Report. I'm Stephen Smith. At the beginning of the year, I struggled really bad. This is Kylie. She just finished up her ninth grade year at Nokomis Regional High School in central Maine. Kylie took an honors algebra class this year, and when she started, it was really hard. I wouldn't know how to do certain things, and I'd have to get a lot of help. And, like, I'd study for my test and everything, and then the test day would just hit me. And I'd draw a blank, and, like, I'd get C-minuses and I's. In a traditional school, Kylie might have kept on like this. She'd learn enough to squeak by, but never really understand the material that she'd been taught. And this is the problem nationwide. Kids are graduating from high school without learning what they need to be ready for college. But Kylie's school is trying something new. After she did poorly on her early algebra tests, Kylie's teacher showed her what she did wrong, and Kylie got to work on those skills and took the test again. It's part of a system called competency-based education, an approach to learning that focuses on making sure that students understand material before they can progress in school. To understand competency-based education is to take a step back and think about the traditional system. Chris Sturgis is the co-founder of Competency Works, an organization that advocates for competency-based learning. And when we think about that system, the first thing that it's important to remember is that it was really designed on an assumption that some kids were smart and some kids weren't quite as smart. So you've got an A or a B, that probably meant you're going to go to college, but if you've got C's and D's, you actually got passed on at the end of the year based on just your age. And you didn't actually have all the skills you needed. And guess what? All of a sudden, you don't understand that next level course. And then soon, all of a sudden, you're graduating from high school and you don't even have the skills to go to college. You may not have the skills to even do well in the workplace. Educators sometimes call this the Swiss cheese effect. The holes in a student's knowledge make it hard to move forward in a given topic. Making sure those gaps get filled is one of the key components of competency-based learning. The basic idea there is that kids are judged on having achieved a certain level of mastery in a skill as opposed to just having completed a course. Lillian Manjo is a reporter at our partner, The Heckinger Report. She visited Nokomis Regional High School for a series of stories on competency-based learning in the state of Maine. There are actually lots of terms for this approach. Some call it competency-based, others call it proficiency-based, and still others call it mastery-based. But they all mean the same thing. Politicians in Maine like this competency approach so much that they passed a law saying all public schools in the state must adopt it. The idea in Maine is that if all diplomas are awarded based on proficiency, then the diplomas will be you know, somewhat equivalent to each other and they'll really stand for something concrete. Maine's new law says that by 2021, in order to get a high school diploma, students have to have mastered specific skills. The law was born in part out of frustration that a lot of high school graduates were either not going to college or not doing well in college once they got there. Teachers at Nokomis Regional High School were already working on converting to a competency-based approach when the law was signed. Here's reporter Lillian Monjo again. They really grasped onto the idea that all of their kids were capable of learning all of the skills necessary in all of the subject areas. The teachers at Nokomis got together and identified the skills that would be the most important for students to learn in each subject by the time they graduated from high school. Then they worked backwards to figure out how to make sure students were following the right sequence to master those skills. We had big group department meetings discussing exactly what do we want them to know, what do we want it to look like. 
Ellen Payne is the head of the math department at Nokomis Regional High School. So we sort of built out a, a sequence so that no matter who the student is in your classroom, you can think about they're struggling where I'm at, what came before it, what came before it, instead of just saying, try harder, here's another 20 problems to work on. But we could change our approach to them and think about what kind of holes or gaps were they missing. Now, students know when they aren't on track to mastering a specific skill, and they can get extra help. Because students are doing a lot more independent work, teachers have more time to walk around and give attention to those students who need it. And some classes meet more frequently for students who are struggling. It's a lot more work, um, but a lot more rewarding. And the teachers I spoke with said, you know, this is better for kids. They have more time to learn. They have a clearer idea of what they need to know. We have an easier time talking to them about when they've missed one scale, what they need to do to make sure they get it. So in the classroom now, we not only try to get a problem right, but we look at here's different ways that people did this. What's maybe a more efficient way that we could do this? Ellen Payne taught honors algebra to Kylie, the student we heard from, who was having trouble at the beginning of the year. Payne says that in the old system, a student like Kylie, who was getting C's, would just keep moving on to new material. We'd be like, well, I'm sorry, you're going to have to do better next time. You know, we didn't go back and reteach new material. We thought it was in their best interest, I think, because we thought, well, they'll be lazy and not keep up if I allow them to do that sort of thing. Like, I, I don't think we did it because it was bad teaching practice. We thought we needed to keep them motivated to do their work on time. In the new competency-based system, motivation isn't supposed to come from grades, but rather a desire to actually master the material. So teacher Ellen Payne doesn't even grade homework anymore. And I have the same amount of people that are doing their homework as I did before. Like, that's amazing to me. I would never have thought that would happen. I'll sit down and do my homework. This is Kylie again. Because I know if I don't do my homework, it reflects on you on the test because you learn stuff every day and it's new stuff. So if you don't do your homework, that's part of your study time is doing your homework so you get better at it. I visit a lot of schools and I don't always see kids that engaged. Lillian Manjo says Nokomis is a school that's really bought into the competency-based diploma. The teachers are all on board. But not everyone in Maine is excited about this new law. Some people, you know, educators and others are saying it's unfair to expect a kid to master every skill in every subject area just to get a high school diploma. You know, a high school diploma is a ticket to a decent job, a spot in the military, a college education. And, you know, I had one teacher say to me, some kids aren't that great at grammar. That should not hold them back from a future career. Some educators are particularly worried about special education students and districts are making individual decisions about how they handle students who it wouldn't be fair to hold to the same standard as all other students. But it's really tricky to figure out where to draw the line. So that's sort of one category of criticism. The other category is about the logistics. Giving kids extra time sounds great, but when is that time going to happen? When are the teachers going to meet with those students? The high school daily schedule of 45 to 90 minute classes is pretty established and changing that feels like a lot of work for teachers and for administrators. Lillian says another criticism is that there's no evidence that competency-based systems work better than other approaches to learning. Well, the data don't say much, to be honest. There's very few um, really solid studies on whether or not this works better than traditional education. There's lots of schools that have put it in place and anecdotally say it's great. There have been studies done of individual schools that have changed things, and those have gone well. But, and this is certainly true in Maine, every school who takes this on models their program slightly differently. 
So why would a state like Maine, and I assume other states are doing this, why would they do it if there isn't, you know, adequate data to show that it works? Yeah, well, it's tricky to know because the schools have all done it so differently. So there's definitely not, it's like, this is the beginning. This will be a way to collect data. In Maine specifically, their idea was that this would raise the bar for academics, for everybody, and they're kind of seeing if it works. And this will be now a place that people could study to see if this works well with the big caveat that every school is doing it a little bit differently. So it's it's going to be very hard to say, honestly, if it works well system-wide. And that's one of the big issues in Maine. System-wide change is really complex. And this change is largely dependent on local buy-in. And I think the successes you see will be local and the failures you see will be local. There are other challenges, too. The state of Maine isn't providing much money to help schools move to proficiency-based diplomas. Districts are getting less than 1% of the money they get from the state to help phase in this new system. And the law leaves a lot of room for interpretation. For instance, schools get to decide for themselves what proficiency means. Still, Chris Sturgis from Competency Works believes that Maine is right to move forward with a system-wide change. Because, she says, students in Maine and across the country need something different than what they're getting. Students are graduating in our country who can barely read at a high school level. We obviously can do better than that. And so the proficiency-based diploma is a very powerful way for a state to say, we want our diplomas to have meaning. Kylie certainly wants her diploma to have meaning. At age 15, she's already got her eye on college. I want to be a pediatric doctor. In order to do that, she needs to do well in math. At Nokomis, with a focus on proficiency, Kylie says she actually likes algebra now. And she ended up with top test scores. She's looking forward to taking an honors math class next year. With the switch to proficiency-based learning, teachers at Nokomis have a much clearer idea of how individual students are performing than they ever had. They're able to tailor their assignments based on how much progress a student is making towards mastering a given skill. This is a highly personalized way of teaching and learning. The promise is that it will change the way students learn, but it means changing teaching, too. And teachers can be resistant. Back in 2013, our correspondent, Emily Hanford, chronicled the story of a school district in North Carolina that had recently adopted a new laptop program. Every student in grades 3 through 12 in the Mooresville School District got their own MacBook Air. The idea was that going digital could help customize lessons to the needs of individual students. But the change was met with a healthy dose of skepticism on the part of Mooresville teachers. We're going to hear from some of those teachers in this excerpt from our 2013 documentary, One Child at a Time, Custom Learning in the Digital Age. We begin with Carrie Tolbert, who was the principal of Mooresville Middle School when Emily visited in 2013. A lot of people choose education because it's predictable. You know what you're going to get when you become a teacher because you just think about the teachers you had and the classrooms you had. The school district made it clear that teachers should use the laptops to change their approach to teaching. No more long lectures, says Stephen Mooney, now the executive director for secondary instruction. Here in Mooresville, this is the way we're going to do business. This is what we think is best for kids. These are the resources that we have. This is how we're going to use those resources. And... If you want to teach here, then this is what you need to do. We had some blessed subtractions. Some teachers left. So we had some folks move on. Some folks we helped move on. 
Scott Smith is the district's chief technology officer. He estimates about 20% of teachers didn't want to have anything to do with the laptops. About 20% got on board right away. The rest were waiting it out, expecting the laptop program to be a fad that would pass like so many other fads in education, says middle school principal Carrie Tulbert. It was hard to convince teachers, and you had to get passionate and say, well, why are you here? You know, is it because you want everything to be standardized and you want it all to be the same? No, it's because you want to do what's right for kids. She says many reluctant teachers were eventually convinced, including Maureen Fitzsimmons, the teacher who said she wasn't happy about the laptops. Miss Fitz, we're having a problem with number three. Number three? Yes, ma'am. Um... Today, students in Ms. Fitzsimmons' 8th grade math class are divided into groups, working on a project that combines math, geography, and learning about colleges. If you are visiting state colleges, you will be starting in Mooresville and heading... Okay, so just find Mooresville. Mooresville's like... We I are right up that. in here. There's Statesville. There's Mooresville right, right here. here. Okay. This is Cassie, the student you met in language arts class. Her group is measuring the distance between locations and using a scale to convert inches to miles. They have a red ruler, a large map, and their laptops. We have to look it up. We have to get on Google. On Google? I think so, yeah. Ms. Fitzsimmons loves the laptops now. She says they give her students access to so much material. It's easier for them to collaborate on projects, and she doesn't have to lecture in class anymore. Instead, she uses a document camera to record herself doing problems, and the students watch the videos at home. And so the nice thing is that it helps the kids that um, struggle with going as fast as I do. They can pause and rewind and pause and rewind me. And as in language arts class, students do online math practice that is customized to their skill level. Ms. Fitzsimmons says the laptops make teaching more efficient. Students always have something to do, so she has more time to work with students one-on-one. So you're trying to find Lake Lure. Is that where you're stuck? So why don't you search on your search tab, open up another window, and search and see what county it's in. Does that make sense? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Fitzsimmons says the computer is like a teaching assistant. She's no longer bogged down by busy work like grading tests and worksheets. The computer does that. I think now we spend our time more on finding things that will hook them. What will engage them? How will they learn the concepts I want them to learn by applying it into something that is relevant to them? Like, why would they want to learn this? What can they use this for so that they're going to want to continue to keep on learning? Yes. Thank you, Ms. Fitz. Mooresville teachers say they collaborate more than they used to. They share lesson ideas and links to cool websites. Having the Internet makes school more fun for teachers and for students, says science teacher Mark Buda. I don't hear as much anymore, well, why do I have to learn this? Or how am I ever going to use this? And here's Maureen Fitzsimmons. It just makes teaching so much better because kids actually like to do things now. So the excitement and engagement, I think, has just completely changed school. I mean, it's just completely, like, kids come because they want to be here. That was an excerpt from One Child at a Time, Custom Learning in the Digital Age. Since Emily visited Mooresville, North Carolina, in 2013, the laptop program has grown. Now even the youngest kids get computers or iPads. And the high school graduation rate has grown. Now, there's no way to know for sure that it's because of the technology, but school administrators attribute the gains to the way teaching and learning has changed. When the Mooresville schools started to go digital back in 2007, the high school graduation rate was 77%. This year, the graduation rate was 93%.
You can find a link to the One Child at a Time documentary at educatepodcast.org. While you're there, check out our archive of education documentaries. And if you're not yet a subscriber to this podcast, please sign up. Visit educatepodcast.org to learn how. You'll get a new episode every two weeks, and you'll be able to hear our new season of education documentaries coming in August. We have four of them coming, and we will tell you more about them over the next few episodes. That's it for this episode. We would love to hear from you. Please tell us how we're doing. Send a note to contact at apmreports.org. The Educate Podcast is produced by Suzanne Pico and edited by Chris Julin. Our senior producer is Emily Hanford. And we got research help for this episode from Josie Fung. Thanks to our partner, The Heckinger Report, a nonprofit independent news organization focused on inequality and innovation in education. Support for APM Reports comes from Lumina Foundation and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM.